2: shoes. Recorded live.
3: You're listening to the Jam Radio Network with Minister Kennedy Jenkins.
4: Oh, a happy day day. When Jesus was Oh, Oh, when he He was When Jesus Jesus was He He walked the sins away Oh, a happy day Happy day. Oh, happy day. Oh, happy day. Oh, happy day. When, Jesus when Jesus wore. Oh, when he wore. When Jesus wore. What could be in the way of the happy day. Oh, in your phone. Thank Lord,
5: for anything that we done, knowingly and
3: unknowingly. The are going out and are coming in. say thank you for those things. Even more, those Lord who listen to his live my podcast. For those Lord who are in the prison. I gather the words. and uh nice. by the stripes. I Jesus. We thank you. Remember those who are homeless, those families who don't have any place to stay. We in a sleeping in a car somewhere. We, we, we lifted up, up to you as well. We lifted up those, Lord, who held uh, in the, who was in the hospice care, those who didn't, who did live those, Lord, those up marriages to you, Lord, my children to you, that be safe all summer long, incidents or accidents, in the name of Jesus, lift up those, Lord, those couples who are divorcing, those who are divorcing and have children, Lord, Choose well, Lord, took those, Lord, those single moms and single dads. She was well, Lord. Lord, men and women armed forces. Just took those, Lord, our, our government, Lord. President vice president members of the cabinet
5: and the senate and congress. State officials, okay. City officials and county officials and towns,
3: excuse me, townships, everywhere. ready to make the right decision. Thank you. That's our pastor. All pastors everywhere. I'm going to preach the word. is live in this podcast. Thank you, Father. soul and mind, Lord, is by stretch, Lord, that she'll be healed, families of
6: Welcome to the Day One Podcast. For more information about this weekly half-hour program featuring outstanding preachers from mainline Protestant churches, visit our website at dayone.net. That's D-A-Y numeral one dot net.
0: I've always suspected the real reason that many marital relationships fail is that people equate their feelings with their commitments? We mistake
7: the way we feel for the promises that we have made to each other as husbands and wives. That's the Reverend John McCard, and today he brings you a challenging message of faith and hope. I'm Peter Wallace. This is Day One. Welcome to Day
4: One
6: program that brings you outstanding Protestant preachers from across America, sharing insight and inspiration from God's Word for your world.
7: Now, here's your host, Peter Wallace, to introduce this week's preacher. Thank you, Sherry. Today and next week on Day One, we're delighted to have the Reverend John McCard with us. John is rector of St. Martin-in-the-Fields Episcopal Church in Atlanta, Georgia, a position he has held since 2004. Before that, he served parishes at Marco Island in the Diocese of Southwest Florida, as well as in San Antonio, Texas, and Dayton, Ohio. And he was the pastoral assistant at the American Cathedral of Paris, France. John, welcome to Day One. Uh, Thank you, Peter. It's a great uh, joy to be with you all this morning. Tell us about St. Martin in the Fields. What are some of the distinctive ways the church lives and serves? Well, probably the most uh, distinctive way that a lot of people know us in the Atlanta
0: area is our school, which uh, is an interesting story because the parish came into existence uh, in 1950,
7: um,
0: and uh, the school was founded some nine years later and started out as a kindergarten, Mm -hmm. and that uh, that. Small kindergarten has grown to a a school that approaches almost uh, 600 students and goes from pre-K to 8th grade, and it's it's a great uh, joy to see how that ministry has grown and flourished through the years. Um, Another important ministry of our church has been um, what we call our emergency assistance program, where once a week uh, people in the parish uh, come in as volunteers, and people come seeking assistance for or their rent, or their utilities, or, or food items, and uh, we provide assistance, uh, a small amount of assistance that we're able to, but that, that ministry has been carried on for about 20-plus years by a wonderful group of volunteers. It's
7: a great uh, blessing to the
0: church and its community.
7: I'm curious, who was St. Martin, and was he really out in the fields? Well, that that's a good question.
0: Um, as I tell people when I talk to them um in the Fields describes the location, not anything about the saint. Uh-huh. Uh, St. Martin was a, a Roman soldier, I think, as the story goes, and he was out uh, riding on his horse one day, and lo and behold, he encountered a beggar by the side of the road who asked him for, uh, for, for food and clothing and other things, and so Martin um, took out his sword, cut his cloak in half, and, and gave it to the beggar. And the next night, or that night when Martin was asleep, um, he had a dream where Jesus came to him and said, uh, "Martin, you know, when you did this, you did it for for me." And uh, lo and behold, uh, he, he decided it was time to get out of the Roman army, and he uh, eventually becoming a bishop of a, a town Tours in France. Uh, but for for our purposes, at Saint Martin's, the the name came from a an interesting story because we we started as a church worshipping at Oglethorpe University which is next door to us mm-hmm. uh, folks who aren't from uh, Georgia will will probably not know that uh, the the colony was started by uh, General James Edward Oglethorpe and when it came time to name the church the uh, the people at the university asked us to to honor the founder of Georgia by naming the uh, the church after the the parish that uh, James Oglethorpe had been baptized in, and that happened to be St. Martin in the Fields uh, in Trafalgar Square in London. Mm-hmm. But as you can see, they lost the St. Martin of Tours part, and really it's just uh, uh, it's an indication of the location of where the church was located.
7: Well, your sermon today is based on Mark chapter 10. Would you read it for us? Uh, certainly, Peter. Some
0: Pharisees came, and to test him they asked, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? He answered them, What did Moses command you? They said Moses allowed a man to write a certificate of dismissal and to divorce her. But Jesus said to them, Because of your hardness of heart, he wrote this commandment for you. But from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh.
7: Therefore, what
0: God has joined together, let no one separate.
7: Remind us where we are in the timeline of Jesus' ministry when this story occurs. Well, this comes toward the end of the story. Um, Our Lord
0: has been uh, out uh, healing the sick, casting out demons, and as in most of the Gospels, as you get closer to the The events of Palm Sunday and Good Friday, the passion narratives, um, uh, tension begins to develop. And and you have these stories where people uh, come to our Lord and and ask him questions, um, questions that are designed in some ways to to trip him up or to Mm -hmm. trap him. And uh, certainly um, this is a case that we see this morning where uh, the Pharisees come and invoke the name of the greatest authority that they had, which was Moses. And they're trying, of course, to get Jesus to say something that will uh, condemn him, or or he'll lose his
7: popularity with the people. What does Jesus mean when he says, "Because of your hardness of heart, God did this"? That's an interesting part of the passage.
0: I think um, one of the, uh, the, the 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 troubling and, and uh, as I said, the, the liberating aspects of the passage is that it it implies in some respects that that God's uh, mercy is is, uh, always present Um, Mm -hmm. and that that God almost knew instinctively that uh, although this commandment would be given, um, people would have a tough time uh, pulling it off. And uh, so there's an indication that uh, he he gave uh, that plan B to folks. And and what Jesus comes along is, is, and I I don't know if he ever – directly says that the plan B is not an option anymore. He just reminds the Pharisees that we need to uh, live on a deeper level and that God God has a lot more hope and joy in our lives that he wants us to have and share in. And this is God's way of of uh, inviting us into a deeper kind of relationship and a, a closer relationship to what God would like us to have. And I think that's the point of the story. Jesus is not uh, dismissing moses's authority or his words but just saying well that's true what moses said but
7: there's a better way to do it well john we look forward to learning more about Christ's teaching on marriage and divorce in your sermon today entitled don't trust your feelings thank you for being with us uh, thank you peter
0: A pivotal event comes to your mind when I say the date, June 6, 1944. How about November 22, 1963? During my years of ministry, I have noticed that people have different historic events that shaped the imaginations of their particular generation. For folks who grew up in the Depression and watched Europe fall under the sway of fascist rulers like Hitler, Mussolini, June 6, 1944, signaled what Sir Winston Churchill called the end of the beginning. It was on this day the Allied forces landed on the Normandy beaches and the destruction of the evil Nazi regime finally began. For most baby boomers, the turning point for them was that fateful day in Dallas on November 22, 1963. President Kennedy was struck down by an assassin's bullet and the hopes and dreams of a whole generation came to a crashing halt. Of course, when I look back over my own life, I'm afraid that it is much harder to find events like those that formed my generation's historical consciousness. Growing up as small children, we watched the events of Watergate unfold on television, from Gerald Ford's selection as vice president, to Richard Nixon's resignation, and final wave from the helicopter door. Yet, if you pressed me on a date when my life changed, I would probably say May 25th, 1977. Does this day ring a bell for any of you? Well, this is the day that the very first Star Wars movie had its premiere. All right, I realize it probably does not seem quite as impressive as the D-Day landings or the 1,037 days of Kennedy's Camelot administration. But as a highly impressionable 12-year-old with a passion for science fiction and fantasy, I had never seen anything like that first movie. The music was stirring, the villains were scary, and the good guys struggled against odds that seemed overwhelming. Now, the World War II generation would probably just say, Star Wars was just an updated version of an old Western. But there was something, something about George Lucas's vision that captured my imagination. And like the secret decoder rings of a previous radio generation, I couldn't wait to buy my first lightsaber. Now, if you've seen the original movie, you might remember a key scene when Alec Guinness is trying to teach Mark Hamill to use the Force. Guinness's character, Obi-Wan Kenobi, says to Hamill, Your eyes can deceive you, Luke. Don't trust them. Stretch out with your feelings. Now, although I remain a big Star Wars fan even today, I have always thought that Obi-Wan's emphasis on trusting your feelings is misguided. In fact, his advice is part of the problem that many folks have keeping the promises and vows they make in marriage. We are, no doubt, a culture that loves talking about our feelings. Turn on the television in an afternoon. There are a host of talk shows. There are books and a whole industry that has grown up around the business of helping people deal with their feelings. And I admit, there is a power, a power that comes from the way we use our language to talk about the feelings that we have. But I'm not convinced that our feelings necessarily have a place in our discussion of the way that Jesus understood God's purpose for creating the institution of marriage. It can be tempting in a culture that treats the marriage bond as something that is disposable to give into the language that people use to describe their feelings when their marriages fail. We grew apart We don't have anything in common anymore. We still care about each other but are no longer in love. You and I have probably heard these and other justifications before from friends that have decided to seek a divorce. But I've always suspected the real reason that many marital relationships fail is that people equate their feelings with their commitment. Let me say that one more time we mistake the way we feel for the promises that we have made to each other as husbands and wives. If I don't feel I'm in love, then I must not really be committed to the other person. Yet the church's marriage service never asks people in their vows to say, I do, like you hear on some television shows. No, the church instead asks if they will promise to love, to honor, to cherish someone until they are parted by death and this is quite different from saying I do. The I will implies that I pledge the totality of my life, my soul, my mind, and my body to this commitment and to the other person. This is a commitment that exists apart from the way I might happen to be feeling at any given moment in time. This vow recognizes there are days that I might not feel like taking out the trash or driving the kids to ballet lessons. But being married to your spouse is not simply a matter of whether I feel like doing the daily activities that are part of our life together. No, on a deeper level, the marital relationship gives us insight into both the creative and redemptive aspects of God's love. This basic truth about the embodied nature of our life as human beings is captured in Jesus' own words from Mark's Gospel. But from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. Before going further, I want to look closely at two important themes. First, it states that from the beginning of creation, God created humanity as male and female. This was for Jesus the basis for our continuation as that marvelous creation that grew out of the love that God had for the world. And in marriage as husbands and wives, males and females, we share together in some sense God's own creative nature by bringing forth life into this world. And this brings me to my second point about God's purpose for marriage which finds expression in Martin Luther's small catechism. Martin Luther writes, We should fear and love God, that we may lead a chaste and decent life in word and deed, and each love and honor his spouse. For Christians, it is in the family bond, the marital relationship that we see God going to work to change each of us, teaching parents to give freely teaching our children to receive without resentment, teaching us to live out a life of self-giving love in a way that mirrors in some respects the love and compassion of our God. Not only do we bring life into the world through Christian marriage, but the life that is entrusted to our care shapes the kind of lives we lead and brings us closer to that image of God that was formed and shaped from dust so long ago. And while I know it might be tempting at times to listen to Obi-Wan, trust our feelings, there is an inherent danger in thinking that the promises of our human life should always bring us happiness or positive feelings. I suspect that Jesus knows most of us are all too ready to settle for the Pharisaic way of justifying our feelings. Remember what they said to Jesus, Moses, the great lawgiver, gave us permission to discard our wives if, they become inconvenient, unattractive. To follow this line of reasoning is to act in ways that dishonor the image of the Creator present in us and further makes a mockery of our promises as husbands and wives to each other. This is precisely the reason we must be reminded that not all of our feelings come from God. There dwells within all of us the capacity to do great harm to other people when we insist on getting our own way, when we place our own fulfillment first, and when we desire the adoration and worship of other people. Now I realize that many of us, at different times in our lives, fail to meet the expectations that Jesus has expressed as part of the Father's will in today's Gospel. And because we fail at times to live out the vows that our lips might profess, this does not mean that God does not love us, or that we are separated from the love that Christ gives us through the cross. This point must be made again and again for Christians because of our tendency to place God's law above God's grace and God's mercy. Let me say it one more time. There is nothing, nothing we can do in our lives or have done in our lives that can ever separate us from God's great love. No, if anything... Jesus' words remind us that God wants our lives to be fulfilling and that our relationship as husbands and wives are part of the plan God has for us to share in a life of holiness and joy as part of God's creation. A young woman once said to an angel, Here I am, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. Her promise to God changed the course of human history, and it is through vows like marriage that we, too, have a similar chance to embody the love and compassion of God to each other and to make each day of our lives a day that shall always, always be remembered. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, in you we live and move and have our being
6: Let's rejoin our host Peter Wallace and John McCard for some final thoughts on this week's sermon.
7: John, I'm older than you, but I was a big Star Wars
4: fan also.
7: (laughs) You made a good point about Obi-Wan Kenobi's counsel to Luke Skywalker, trust your feelings. That, That seems to summarize our whole culture and perhaps what's wrong with it, that we live almost exclusively on the basis of how we feel. How do we get off track? What happened? Where, why is our culture in that mode? Well, as I think
0: I said previously in, in the sermon, the, the, the language of feelings that we use has a lot of power. Hmm. And uh, we've all heard the expression before that uh, we shouldn't criticize someone unless we have walked in their shoes. But, uh, but I had an ethics professor once uh, that said that um, one of the aspects of, of having standards or, or beliefs is that you – you have these, but you and you hold people accountable, but you expect the same thing from yourself mm-hmm. and I think one of the things that trips us up sometimes is that we we forget that we we shouldn't ask other people to do what we wouldn't be willing to do ourselves and uh, and that's one part of what the trouble we run into with this uh this sort of um idolization of our feelings in our culture today we've lost that aspect of looking into our own hearts and saying um." what what are my expectations for myself and then then that way having a way of of judging right from wrong and what's true and
7: what's false and what's more importantly what's good and what's evil well let's look at this a little more individually and personally if someone listening right now senses that their feelings are gone or damaged in their marriage relationship what can they do in a practical sense to deal with that situation well I I think it it's um incumbent upon people that are in a in a marriage which is
0: is loveless or or in some aspects lifeless to to seek the help that's available to them. Mm-hmm. One of the um one of the things I tell couples when I'm talking to them in premarital counseling that is that uh that, that marriage is the most challenging thing they'll ever do in their lives and if they get into one of those spots where they feel they are having trouble communicating or or they don't share anything anymore you know Go find the priest that married them, or find their local pastor or minister, and sit down and talk with them. And, and I say that's the beginning of seeking help. Um, if they're in a real difficult spot, then they, hopefully, the, the minister or pastor will then say, you know, you really need to go see a counselor or somebody who's, who's who has the skills to assist them in, in this difficult time. And and uh, and certainly, I think um, one of the things that, that needs to be said is that there are lots of different relationships. That people may find themselves in that are abusive that involve uh, drugs or or other forms of really just uh, negative behavior and, and that they need to get out of those relationships. But uh, but as to your point about when they feel their relationships loveless, I think it's important to to seek help that's available and, and to find people that can help them to reclaim that uh, that aspect of their life, which is which I see as a life-giving part of of um, what God intends for them certainly
7: worthwhile doing that what would you say to those listening who are already divorced for whatever reason what do they need to hear i think they need to hear the, the last part of the sermon mm-hmm. which,
0: which reaffirms that there's there's nothing that we can ever do in our lives that can uh, separate us from god's love paul says that in romans uh, so well much better than i could say it and that uh, if they are listening to the sermon today and there are people that are divorced they need to um, Go to church and and give thanks for God's love and God's mercy. And as I as I said, um, what was it last year? I was watching a movie. I think it was I think it was Batman Begins actually. And uh, there's a the character asks, you know, why why do we fall down so we can get back up and start over? And that's that's why we fall so we can get up and try again. And that's uh, our
7: loving God enables that to be possible. John McCart we look forward to having you back next week. Thanks for being with us. Thank you, Peter.
6: Day One brings you preachers from the Episcopal Church, the Cooperative Baptist Fellowship, the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America, the Presbyterian Church USA, the United Church of Christ, and the United Methodist Church. Day One is produced by the Alliance for Christian Media, the Rev. Canon Lewis Schutig President, Donald Jones is our Production Supervisor and Audio Engineer, and Peter Wallace, our Executive Producer. It's been our joy to bring you today's program. Thanks for joining us. I'm Sherry Miller wishing you all God's blessings on day one and forever.
5: You're listening to the Jam Radio Network.
8: I've got a personal note that I'd really like to drop in your spirit today. I want you to understand the blessings of God and how they're supposed to enhance our lives. Blessings are not always financial, but the Bible says in Proverbs 10 and 22, it says, the blessings of God makes us rich and adds no sorrow. This richness that it's speaking of deals with our lives being full, our lives being complete, our joy being prevalent and noticeable us being seen as someone who profits in God. The richness of God deals with a soul that is healed, a spirit that is in touch with Jesus. Our lives being rich is having our family hold, as having our friends close, and even our enemies reconciled. The blessings of God makes us rich and will take your sorrows away.
1: Body aches, rashes, now my hair is falling out. I need some answers. For answers, ask your doctor the right question. Could I have lupus? For answers, for support, for hope, visit couldihavelupus.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services Office on Women's Health and the Ad Council.
2: My name is Dale Pusinski. I'm 19 years old, and this is how I live United. I've always been kind of a computer geek, and I found a way to use those skills to help the homeless in my community. For people facing hard times, computer skills and a basic resume are so important. It may seem like a small thing, but it makes a huge difference in people's lives. So with United Way, I created a program where I work with the homeless. Together, we go through their whole job history, write a resume, and then save it on the very own USB drive. We provide workbooks and training certificates. I even budgeted for cupcakes so we can celebrate as a class when one of our people gets a job. That's huge. When somebody says, hey, man, that job that you helped me apply for, I got it. That's what Living United feels like to me. My name is Dale Pazinski. I help people achieve financial independence. So I don't just wear the shirt. I live it.
0: Give. Advocate. Volunteer. Live United. Go to liveunited.org. Brought to you by United Way and the Ad Council.
7: Ladies and gentlemen. It is my honor to introduce a
4: man who needs no introduction. His credits are too long to list. He has done the impossible time after time. He has, out of a manger in Bethlehem, Jerusalem, by way of heaven, his mother is still headlining in the Catholic Church today. His daddy is the author of a book that has been on the bestseller list since the beginning of time. He holds the record for the world's greatest fish fry. He's He can walk on water, turn water into wine, no special effects, no camera trick. He has a head shot on every church fan across the country. Even before the kings of comedy, he was hailed the king of all kings. Ruler of the universe, Alpha and Omega, beginning and the end, the bright and the moaning star. Some say he's the rose of Sharon, and some say he's the Prince of Peace. Get up on your feet. Put your hands together and show your love for the second coming of the one and only. Thank you,
2: Years and, and in my experience, I remember preachers used to preach, and me, me and my sisters used to come up with titles for the preachers. There was one preacher when he preached, we used to call him the asthma preacher. Because when he preached, it sounded like he was having an asthma attack. I said he'd be preaching. He'd be saying, God yeah. can do anything but fail. Woo. Won't be up this morning. Woo. Start me on my way. Woo. Yeah. Woo. there was another preacher we used to call the horse preacher because when he preached Chris he would sound like he was stopping a horse. I'm serious. He would say God is good Whoa Lord Whoa
4: Going wind down. Chicago. C-H-I-C-A-G-O.
7: That's right.
4: Dad, how about Mississippi?
7: You ready for Mississippi? Okay, let's go. The smallest moments can have the biggest impact on a child's life. Take time to be a dad today. Learn more at one dad 411 or visit fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ed Council.
2: My name is Dale Pazinski. I'm 19 years old, and this is how I live united. I've always been kind of a computer geek and I found a way to use those skills to help the homeless in my community. For people facing hard times, computer skills and a basic resume are so important. It may seem like a small thing, but it makes a huge difference in people's lives. So with United Way, I created a program where I work with the homeless. Together, we go through their whole job history, write a resume, and then save it on their very own USB drive. We provide workbooks and training certificates. I even budgeted for cupcakes so we can celebrate as a class when one of our people gets a job. That's huge. When somebody says, hey man, that job that you helped me apply for, I got it. That's what Living United feels like to me. My name is Dale Pazinski. I help people achieve financial independence. So I don't just wear the shirt, I live it.
0: Give, advocate, volunteer. Live United. Go to liveunited.org. Brought to you by United Way and the Ad Council.
2: Hey
4: churchgoers. Looking for the little morning inspiration? Well, listen to Morning Inspirations
5: and the JAM Radio Network with Minister Kenneth Jenkins.
4: have this way to go through, your troubles and trials are
6: an urgent story developing right now in every state and county across America. Despite having more than enough food available in this country, there are nearly 16 million kids, that's one in five children, struggling with hunger. They often don't even know where their next meal is coming from. And the worst part is, this has been going on for years. There's no excuse for it, and that's why Feeding America is doing its best to put an end to childhood hunger. As a nationwide network of food banks, Feeding America engages local communities in solving hunger by collecting surplus food, giving hope to hungry kids and their families all across our nation. But they need your help. Join me in supporting Feeding America and your local food bank. You can start by going to feedingamerica.org to learn more. Together, we can solve hunger. Together, we're Feeding America.
4: A message from Feeding America and the Ad Council.
1: Hi, I'm Johnny Erickson Tata, and on our Wheels for the World trips, young people with disabilities don't just receive wheelchairs. Sometimes they go and help distribute them. I'm describing here my friend Becky. She uses a wheelchair and is only in high school, but Becky has a real maturity and a heart to serve. So with the help of her parents and the permission of her doctors, Becky traveled to Romania to help distribute wheelchairs to other kids with disabilities. And I tell you, the children in Romania adored her. They saw her as one of them. Everywhere Becky went, she recited Psalm 139. She'd tell everyone, I thank God because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wow, what a message for special needs kids and their parents in Romania. All said from a teen in a wheelchair. If you know a teenager like Becky who wants to serve Jesus and others, encourage them to visit us at johnnyandfriends.org.
8: My grandmother did a little song she wanted me to say. I know the Bible is right. I know the Bible is right. I know the Bible is right. I know
4: the Bible.
5: Bishop, Bishop G.E. Patterson, and <laughs> hey, I know the Bible is right, and somebody, somebody wrong. All right, now, I see you out there with your two step A Sunday. When i
4: decided to follow Jesus. i decided to follow Jesus. i decided to follow Jesus. No turning back.
3: No turning. Back.
9: Anymore. I ask you to forgive me. And tonight I open my heart and I invite you into my life to be my Savior and my Lord. I believe, Jesus, you are the Son of God. I believe you died for me to pay the price for all the wrong things that I've committed against God and against man. I believe that on the third day by the power of God you were raised from the dead as living proof that my trust in you tonight is not in vain. I believe that as Christ was raised from the dead so tonight Almighty God You are raising me from the dead, from the death of sin. You are giving me a new life, the life of Jesus Christ. Oh God, on my testimony and the belief in my heart and according to your word, at this moment I believe, I am saved, I am saved.
10: ask you friends in closing tonight have you done this have you obeyed the gospel have you obeyed the gospel have you come to that obedience of faith have you come to that place of true repentance and true faith have you turned around have you forsaken your sin have you turned around have you forsaken your sin are you trusting alone tonight in Jesus Christ for your salvation? For there is no other way, there is no other message. For there is no other way, there is no other message. Oh, come to Him. Come to the Saviour tonight. Come to Him just as you are. Come to Him in your sin. Come to Him in all your needs. And cast yourself upon His mercy and upon His infinite grace. And cast your heart upon his mercy and upon his
4: infinite,
10: infinite. Infinite. infinite And cast yourself totally to him. And you too will enter into that joy of sins forgiven, peace with God, and eternal, abundant life through Jesus Christ, our
4: Lord. J.